Park Hopping Podcast number 63, Hidden Mickeys. Celebrating 11 years of posting Disney stuff on the internet. This is another crappy podcast production. Hi there, this is Alan from DisneyFans.com, and this is the Park Hopping Podcast, show number 63, the podcast that proves anyone can have their own podcast. Previously on the Park Hopping Podcast, we took a lost Kilimanjaro safari at Disney's Animal Kingdom in Florida in honor of some changes this attraction has seen in recent months. Today on the Park Hopping Podcast, I wanted to start out with a quick apology for all the background noise that's been in my shows the past several episodes. Once upon a time, I had a very quiet recording studio, but, um, you know... As I've added more and more external hard drives for more and more video projects, the fan noise has gotten louder and louder. It's amazing how quiet four hard drives in one whisper-quiet case can be, and how loud six cases can be when they're in the same room together. Plus computers and the air conditioner and all that fun stuff. Hopefully you can deal with it. After all, this podcast is free and worth every penny. Well, it's summertime here in Des Moines, Iowa, USA, as temperatures rise to the mid-90s. It seems hot to me now, but I grew up in Texas and spent many summer vacations in Orlando and Arizona, so I guess it could be much worse. If nothing else, the heat has given me some time to stay indoors and work on podcast projects. And speaking of projects, I just started another paid podcasting project that's been keeping me busy. And I also started a podcast on the new Apple iPhone. There's been four or so episodes of that one already. So as usual, the fun Disney stuff has to take a backseat while I stay busy with all these other shows, especially the one I'm making money on. And speaking of making money, if you want a copy of some of my Disneyland and Walt Disney World home movies on DVD... Good news, drop by DisneyFans.com slash DVD. I just dropped the prices on all my discs since it's getting cheaper and cheaper to make them. And of course, you can always stop by AnotherCrappyPodcast.com and add yourself to my listener world map. So what else? Well, I guess it's time for a show. Today I'm going to talk about one of my favorite things about the current Disney parks, and that's Hidden Mickey's. Now, let's go back to episode 53 of the Park Hopping Podcast, which was entitled The Hassle-Free Walt Disney World Vacation. And that was a book recap where I talked about a book called The Hassle-Free Walt Disney World Vacation by Stephen M. Barrett from The Intrepid Traveler. And I talked a little bit about this book and some of the things that were in it and the little touring guides and plans like that and how it was neat and, you know, stuff like that that might do somebody some use. And at the time, I also mentioned that this author, that Steve Barrett, was also the guy that had put out a couple of hidden Mickey guides. And I kind of poo-pooed the idea because, you know, there's this massive hidden Mickey website and, you know, hidden Mickeys are really easy to go look up and index and, you know, whatever. It's, I just, you know, somebody doing a book on something like that, well, whatever, I'm sure it's a good book. Well, I actually have in my hands the uh, new Disneyland's Hidden Mickeys Guide. Its full title is Disneyland's Hidden Mickeys, A Filled Guide to Disneyland Resort's Best Kept Secrets by Stephen M. Barrett. And it's an unusual book. It's, it's maybe four inches wide by, I don't know, about ten inches tall. And uh, the Disneyland books, it's about a hundred pages long. So it's something you could actually slide in your pocket. It would stick out. But it's, it's more of a, uh, a very tall pocket book than a traditional paperback size or, you know, reference book. And I've actually gone through this kind of to see what would somebody do compiling Hidden Mickey information. I mean, it would be neat to carry around a book that says, here's a bunch of Hidden Mickeys, but, you know, I can go to a website and print a lot of this stuff out, including 
the website that Steve Barrett himself runs, which is called HiddenMickey'sGuide.com. So you can already get a lot of this stuff for free on the internet. But I wanted to talk a little bit about this book because it turns out it's actually something pretty unique. This book is not so much a reference of Hidden Mickeys, but a scavenger hunt that has a quick introduction about what Hidden Mickeys are. In fact, the author actually breaks it down and does special thanks to some of the people that have contributed Mickeys and gives some tips about reading the book. Well, he starts talking about what official Hidden Mickeys are that Disney has intentionally designed and stuff that was put on there for a purpose. And then he actually talks about, you know, some of the Hidden Mickeys that are more wishful thinking that people have dreamt up and the differences between them and how they're going to categorize them in the book. And that, that's fine. Same stuff you're going to get on the websites. But then it gets a little interesting. Then it starts talking about the actual game that's played with this information. It's a scavenger hunt for Hidden Mickeys. And the way this works is this book is broken out as kind of a combination to the park touring guides in the hassle-free Walt Disney World vacation, but in this case for Disneyland. And it kind of shows you how you can tour the parks and look for hidden Mickeys. So it kind of gives you something to do, which in a way would actually be phenomenal for somebody like me who's been to the park so many times that, you know, I've seen everything time and time again. I could ride the Haunted Mansion all day. And this is actually something that I look forward to doing when I get out to the parks later this year. Because it, it gives a whole new spin on doing it. Used to, I used to print out the list, and I'd go and look for the Mickeys myself and take a lot of pictures. There's that big Hidden Mickey website, hiddenmickeys.org. And I've contributed, you know, all kinds of Hidden Mickeys over there. And that's what I used to do. I'd print them out, look for new ones, take pictures, send them in, and, and that kept me busy. But this kind of organizes that and can be played like a game, like a competition within your friends or family, or it's just a reference you can take with you if you're going out by yourself. And what's interesting is is they separate it between clues and hints. Now, the clue doesn't tell you there's a hidden Mickey on the back of the statue. It's actually kind of a thing that gives you a, a clue about where you might observe to find a hidden Mickey. And then if you really need help, later on there's a hint that gives you a more specific clue about where the hidden Mickey is. So it's actually kind of done in two parts. And scoring is done on a one-to-five basis, where one point is a very simple, easy-to-spot Mickey, and five points is a more intricate Mickey that might be difficult to find uh, the first time around. And it's all laid out with touring plans. It basically says, start out, you know, in this land and go over here. It'll even tell you when it suggests getting a fast pass and when might be a good time to grab a bite to eat and where you might want to do that. And it crisscrosses the park for traffic flows. And it's, it's actually way more than what I expected. I thought it was just a listing of hidden Mickeys. It does mention that there are some times where a hidden Mickey is actually in a line, so you can't do fast pass if you expect to see it. And it even has a nice little thing called playing fair that says be considerate to other guests and, you know, ask for permission before you go into a, a restaurant to start poking around and try not to do it during peak periods when people are trying to eat. It's, it's very interesting. There's a lot of thought put into it. So I'm going to just talk a little bit about this book and see if it's something that you might find interesting, too. He gives a background of what a hidden Mickey is, whether it's a traditional, like the three circles, like the two circles for the ears and a bigger circle for the head, and, and gives some examples of some of the classic Mickey configurations that are deliberate design snuck in by the Imagineers. Now, he makes a comment that, according to Jim Hill of JimHillMedia.com, the Imagineers apparently started doing hidden Mickeys in the 70s when they were designing Epcot. The original Epcot design was going to be character-free. There was no Mickey Mouse at Epcot in opening year. And so the Imagineers were finding ways to slip in references to the Disney characters by hiding them subtly in the attractions. 
Now, that's true and all, but there were hidden Mickeys and Disney stuff way before that. In fact, you have to go back to the old Flight to the Moon, Rocket to the Moon, Mission to Mars, whatever it was in that series. There's a blast-off sequence where you're rocketing away from the planet. In the uh, the video, which you can find on the internet, as the rocket ship goes away, you see the landing pads are in the configuration of a classic Mickey. So there were actually examples of hidden Mickeys going back far beyond you know the opening of Epcot. But again, Epcot was the very first time I was ever aware of a hidden Mickey because there were these kiosks in the Communicore centers, which are now interventions. And one of them was a trivia question you played on a little touchscreen computer or it had buttons in front of it. And I don't know. I was like, you know, 12 at the time. I don't remember. But there was a question about a, um, a hidden Mickey that was in the park and it actually showed a picture and you're, you were trying to guess where it was. So I know that that was the first time I ever was aware of a hidden Mickey. And some of the most famous ones are from Epcot, but I digress. Anyway, so he kind of defines what a intentional, an intentional hidden Mickey is and that the modern rule is whatever the guest thinks is a hidden Mickey, it's a hidden Mickey. If the guest wants to look at a couple of rocks and say that's Mickey and it makes them happy, more power to them and Disney's pretty much okay with that. Although, a lot of folks don't realize Disney used to maintain an official list of hidden Mickeys. You could go to Epcot and various other parks, at least in the mid-90s you could still do this, and they would print you out a uh, hidden Mickey list that was the entire listing of everything they considered official. And uh, somewhere, God, boy, I should find that and go through it sometime and see how many of them are still here. Anyway, so the classic Mickeys are defined as something that is purposeful. You can see that it was there for a purpose, not just an accident, you know, like a bunch of rocks there. Proportional in size, the ears are smaller than the head. They have to be round, not just a couple of, you know, shapes together that are three in a circle, semicircle thing or whatever. Just things like that. So it basically is defining what they consider a real hidden Mickey. And then it breaks down into what a decorative Mickey is, such as the Mickey shapes on the manhole covers and uh, Mickey in the butter on your pancakes, stuff like that. So he, he wants to break apart what's an official Mickey that's an obvious, intentional Mickey versus what's a decorative Mickey, which is all over the park. I mean, Mickey's on more things in the park than you could imagine. And then the thing that I thought was very, very cool, unlike any of these websites other than, I guess, Steve's, he has verified every single one of the Mickeys in this book. The book contains, I think, 170 hidden Mickeys from the Disneyland Resort that he has personally gone out and found himself to make sure that it's something that, that exists. And then he credits the people that have contributed a lot of them as well. So that's kind of interesting. So that's uh, HiddenMickeysGuide.com, and the book is Disneyland's Hidden Mickeys, A Filled Guide to Disneyland Resort's Best Kept Secrets. So here's what's neat about this. When you start getting into the first chapter... Uh, well, actually, the second chapter, it's the Disneyland Park Scavenger Hunt. And it starts out by saying, Arrive at the entrance turnstiles with your admission ticket 30 to 40 minutes before the official opening time. So immediately we're starting with a very good uh, tip for somebody who, you know, maybe doesn't understand that if you get there before people, the lines will be shorter. And it starts with some clues. Clue one, as soon as you pass through the entrance turnstile, look around for a classic Mickey. That's worth three points. Clue two, inside the entrance, glance upwards for a classic Mickey on a sign. That's three points. Followed by go to Space Mountain in Tomorrowland and walk up the entrance queue. Clue three, see anything on the ride vehicles? Two points. 
And it goes on and on with notes like there aren't any hidden Mickeys on the Space Mountain itself. You can skip the ride if you want or you can go out and enjoy it. And then it follows through, you know, going by Buzz Lightyear and it just walks through to Critter Country and Winnie the Pooh, Indiana Jones and on and on and on. And it even talks about some of the other hidden characters. It mentions the famous Eeyore that's hidden in the Indiana Jones attraction at Disneyland that was built on the former Eeyore section of the parking lot. There's even a map with all of the sections numbered uh, you know, Fantasyland, Tomorrowland, where all the different hidden Mickey clues are grouped together, which is very, very interesting. Now, that's kind of how this book is put together. It's a series of, let me see how many it is in the Disneyland section. Wow, let's see here, 70... Looks like there's 79 just in the Disneyland Park version of this. And if you get stuck, you flip past the um, clues and you look at hints. So I'm going to give you the hints here. It says, oh, don't peek at this section unless you really want help. But here's an example of what they're like. Main Street USA entrance area, hint number one. As soon as you enter Disneyland, turn around and spot the classic Mickey speaker grid on the utility box next to the entrance turnstile. Note the ticket attendant may be blocking your view. And hidden two is inside the entrance on the right. The sign for strollers and wheelchairs has a classic Mickey in the scroll work at either side. So these are very, very specific hints. There's no pictures, it's just descriptions. So you still have to find these. And sometimes people have a hard enough time when they've got a picture. So that kind of gives you an idea of how this is grouped between the clues kind of saying, you know, outside the Main Street Cinema, search for two hidden Mickeys, to the hint that actually tells you where to specifically look. And that's pretty cool. Now, I do want to point out that this uh, clue number two, talking about the Mickey on the strollers and wheelchair sign, that has been kind of flogged on the hiddenmickeys.org site. And I think overall the consensus on this one was that it was, you know, wishful thinking. It wasn't really Mickey. It was just a swirly pattern that just happens to kind of be Mickey-shaped. There are a few things like that that make it in the book that, you know, you look at them and go, wow, that looks like a hidden Mickey, which means it's a hidden Mickey. Whether or not it was an intentional Mickey... You know, who knows? There's tons of things on all these websites that were probably never put there by design, but they do look like Mickey, so therefore they count as Hidden Mickeys. Now, this is not all the Disneyland Park. It breaks down the Hidden Mickeys found in Disney's California Adventure, and I'm very curious about these because I found a ton of them the opening week when me and a, a girlfriend went out there, and we just found dozens and dozens of them. I mean, the park had only been open you know, a, a week or so, and there just weren't lists of these yet. And it it breaks down hidden Mickeys and soaring over California, including one that I wasn't aware of. I guess I've never read his website and found out about it. It talks about hidden Mickeys and the Munster Inc. ride, which uh, opened since I was out there last in 2005. A Tower of Terror, uh, Muppet Vision 3D, uh, you know, and on and on and on. So it has um, a whole bunch of clues inside California Adventure. It looks like it has 46 clues. And incidentally, at the very end, it gives you a ranking. For instance, in California Adventure, if you get up to 60 points, you get a bronze medal. If you get 61 to 119 points, that's silver. If you get 120 points and over, that's gold. And if you get 149 points, you found every one of the Mickeys in there. And I think with this book, it would be fairly easy for somebody to actually walk away feeling like they accomplished something. There are some very obscure ones in here that you read these clues and go, you know, I don't have a clue. I, I, I'm looking at it, I don't see it. So there is some challenge to it. Of course, then you've always got the, um, the part that kind of gives it away and tells you exactly where to look. Uh, beyond the theme parks itself, a place I have rarely, rarely explored other than just to go shopping or grab a bite to eat is the downtown Disney District and the resort hotels. 
And in Downtown Disney, it talks about things in the pizzeria, in the candy shop. Uh, it mentions hidden Mickeys in the parking structure. It even has a map showing you where the entrance is, where the hotels are, where the parking structure is, where the surface parking is. I mean, this has got everything in here. But it goes on and describes Mickey's in places I've never set foot in. I've never been into the uh, Paradise Pier Hotel at all, for instance, and there's some in there. Hook's Point Restaurant, I've eaten in there once a long, long time ago. Apparently there's a hidden Mickey in there. Of course, the clue is walk inside. You may need to return later if it's not open yet. Find a hidden Mickey. So I'm hoping that's an obvious one because that's uh, not much of a clue. And I guess all I got to say is this is actually a pretty darned neat little book. And then it goes on beyond this and it says, hey, there's some other places you're going to see it, like, uh, you know, pasta shaped like Mickey and condiment containers that are shaped like Mickey and places where there's furniture and, and uh, you know, just all kinds of things. It even goes and talks about some of the hidden Mickeys that you'll see being made by cast members on a regular basis, mentioning that a lot of times the cleaning crew will be leaving spots of water in the shape of the three Mickey circles on the ground when they're done cleaning and little things like that. And, of course, uh, Steve lists his favorite hidden Mickeys. One of them is a Conductor Mickey in the Grand Californian Hotel, which I've never seen. There's another one at the Grand Californian Hotel that I've never seen. The tribute to Eeyore and Indiana Jones makes his list. There's one in Pirates of the Caribbean that I'd heard of, but I don't think I've ever actually seen it myself, and on and on and on. There's some honorable mentions. And then at the end, it basically says, hey, don't stop, there's plenty more to find. And it kind of primes you for looking for these things, and then you can uh, kind of go out on your own. And once you start seeing how the Hidden Mickeys are, it actually gets pretty addictive. I can't go to any new Disney ride, shop, or attraction without looking around trying to find darn Hidden Mickeys now. So it's very addictive. And the best thing is, at the end of this book is a big index. So if I flip back and I want to know if there is a Hidden Mickey in the Golden Horseshoe... Golden Horseshoe, Golden Horseshoe, Golden Horseshoe. There it is, Golden Horseshoe Stage. Page 28, let's just look out of curiosity. Golden Horseshoe. You can order counter service lunch and if the timing is right, catch a great show. Check your times guide. Clue 26, check carefully around the stage for a classic Mickey. Now see, now I gotta go look at my pictures and see what's there. So I kinda just shrugged this book off earlier saying, yeah, I don't know who'd want a hidden Mickey book if you've got internet access. You know, it might be nice to carry with you. So apologies to Stephen M. Barrett and the Intrepid Traveler. This is actually a darned cool little book. I'm actually glad to have it now, and it's like 10 bucks. You know, it's like a cheapest souvenir you could ever take with you in the park that would probably give you more entertainment than $10 worth of uh, turkey legs and a soda wood inside the park. So uh, check it out. It's Disneyland's Hidden Mickeys, a filled guide to Disneyland Resort's best-kept secrets. And by the way, by the way, in case you're interested, I think the original book, because Stephen lives out in Florida... And uh, there's actually a little background about how he uh, went to Disney World while he was in Orlando for a conference in the late 80s and just kind of went to Disney World while he was there and just fell in love with the place. And now he's writing books about it after becoming, you know, a, a frequent park visitor. But the original book, I believe, was The Hidden Mickey's Filled Guide to Walt Disney World's Best Kept Secret, which is the same form factor. But instead of 100 pages, this sucker is 220 pages. The index itself is... Oh gosh, the index itself is 10 pages of small print listing everything all over Walt Disney World, the different parks. Uh, it has, let me look at the uh, index real quick here. It has a lot more in here since obviously there's four theme parks and a whole bunch more stuff. But if you're a Walt Disney World person, 
then this could keep you busy <laughs> many vacations. It's funny, when you look at the uh, special thanks of the Disneyland book, you know, there's this little listing of, of, you know, a few dozen people that have contributed. When you look at the uh, special thanks section for the Walt Disney World, there's like two full pages of just name after name after name. I mean, it's just, it's pretty staggering. So whether it's Disneyland, which is probably where I'm going to be heading next, unless I do make it out to uh, Epcot for the non-25th anniversary celebration later this year. Either way, Disneyland, Walt Disney World, these are pretty cool little books. The Disney World book is much thicker, so of course it has to cost, you know, $2 more, so it's like 12 bucks. Again, check out these books if you're interested in Hidden Mickeys. Check by hiddenmickeysguide.com, uh, which is a nice filtered site, you know, where you've got somebody there who actually is verifying all these firsthand reports, you know, or, you know verifying the reports themselves. Uh, you know what I mean? So, it's neat. Uh, the Walt Disney World Guide claims to have over 700 hidden Mickeys listed, whether it's the resort hotels, the theme parks, or, uh, you know, shops, places like that. And the Disneyland one was uh, over 170 hidden Mickeys. I don't know. I, I, I don't have enough good things to say about it. It's very easy to read. It's easy to flip through. It's got the index. It's fun. It gives you enough of a background. And uh, it gives you something to do. I guess the only thing that would be interesting, like, uh, for instance, Spaceship Earth, has, I don't know, about five different hidden Mickeys on there. And you wouldn't actually be able to look at this on the ride. So uh, it's interesting looking at how this book would have uh, give you rewritability. For instance, I've ridden Spaceship Earth a zillion times, and I've seen all but one of these hidden Mickeys. One of them, I knew it was there, I've read a description, but I've, I've never really seen a picture. And so he's got a hint in here that basically tells you exactly where to look. So now I'm thinking, well, heck, I'd have to ride the ride like two or three times trying to, you know, catch hint number 85 or whichever one it was. So that, that's kind of the interesting thing is for a jaded theme park diehard like me, these hidden Mickey guides actually would give me a reason to go through some of these rides possibly multiple times to, you know, to actually catch some of them. Because there's a lot of them that, you know, you can walk in and just see them. It's on a rock. It's on a sign. It's, you know, in a mural. And then there's a lot more of them that are actually in rides, uh, in areas that, uh, you know, they tell you where to be prepared. There's one in Soren. The famous one on Soren is the golf ball that's got Mickey on it. And I swear I saw Soren five or six times until I finally focused my eyes just right to catch that golf ball. And now I see it every time. So this is interesting. It's going to give me uh, something to look, look, something new to do the next time I get out to one of the Disney parks. So check it out, and I guess it's really all I got to say. I'm going to have to try to see if we can't holler at this guy sometime and kind of learn a little bit more about the websites and the inspiration that, that got him going because there is a little bit of background about how he got into this, but kind of like to pick his brain sometime and see what turned him on to the whole hidden Mickey thing because uh, I think there's a lot of people like me and possibly like you that kind of get exposed to it and then you start thinking in terms of hidden Mickeys and almost get disappointed when something opens that doesn't have a hidden Mickey in it. There you go, Hidden Mickey, uh, Field Guide to Disneyland and Walt Disney World's Best Kept Secrets by Stephen M. Barrett, published by The Intrepid Traveler. You can check out his website, hiddenmickeysguide.com. And I think that's all I got to say for today. I have another episode that's going to start and it will be a series discussing Disneyland's 50th anniversary. If you check out the Park Hopping video podcast, I posted kind of a 15-minute prequel video that covers the hours we spent in line the morning of Disneyland's 50th anniversary a couple of years ago in 2005. So I got a lot of stuff going on. I'm staying so busy with other projects. Um, 
Check out anothercrappypodcast.com to see uh, my iPhone podcast and some of the other things I've started. Fill out the listener world map, do stuff like that. And you know the drill. The next time you're at one of these Disney parks looking for those hidden Mickeys, be sure to take an extra picture, shoot some extra video, because you really never know when something you like, love or hate, is going to go away and never be around again. And that certainly happens with these hidden Mickeys. Uh, They go away when something gets remodeled, repainted, torn down, rebuilt, replaced. Some of them are only their season things that appear only during the Halloween celebrations or the Christmas celebrations. And you might find yourself going, hey, I just got this book, and they talk about a hidden Mickey at the stage at uh, the Golden Horseshoe, and I wonder what that is. And if you had pictures of it like I do, you could go flip through your gallery and go, oh, yeah, that's obvious. Why did I never notice that? And if you want to drop me a note, my email address is podcast at disneyfans.com. If you'd rather use the telephone, you can dial 206-2030-ACP. That's another crappy podcast. Again, 206-2030-227. Please give me a call and leave me a voicemail. This has been the Park Hopping Podcast, show number 63, Hidden Mickeys. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back real soon with some more Disneyland uh, 50th anniversary stuff. Because here at the Park Hopping Podcast, if we can't be timely, we can at least be fashionably late. I think two years is pretty late. See ya. Another Crappy Podcast production. Be sure to visit anothercrappypodcast.com to learn more about this and other equally exciting <sighs> podcasts. Mm. <laughs>